This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A string of recent brush fires raising concern tonight about the fire risk in urban areas, especially with little relief in sight from the hot, dry conditions. Grace Key is in East Vancouver where a hedge went up, destroying two garages. And Grace, this could easily have been much worse. Well, luckily, the firefighters were able to stop it from hitting any of the homes in this area, but wanted to show you where this all started, just in the corner there where the pole is. And then you can really see just the path the flames took all along the hedges here is where the uh, the flames were heading, destroying one of the outbuildings here and then a garage before firefighters were finally able to stop it. Luckily, no one was hurt when this fire broke out in East Vancouver Tuesday afternoon. Brooke Anchetta was at work when her mother frantically called her, saying the garage was on fire. She's all right. Was pretty freaked out. She was inside, didn't know it was happening until, I don't even know, I think someone was yelling outside, get out of the house, and she popped her head out. Oh, why, why? Looks inside, I have my dog inside. She's like, I don't know what to do with the dog, I don't know what to do. It was certainly right around, right around here, and it went straight up. Neighbor William Lane called 911 when he spotted the hedges on fire. The flames quickly spread down the line, and by the time firefighters arrived, the flames already reached two garages. A 95 Mustang, uninsured, was destroyed. There's still no word on what started the blaze, but dry conditions aren't helping. You know, obviously, if it was uh, wetter conditions, it would have been a lot slower moving, or it would have just been a, just a minor incident. It's just one of several urban fires that have been ignited this summer. With dry, hot conditions, firefighters are battling a series of brush fires, like this one in Burnaby overnight. In Richmond, a wildfire broke out along Shell Road Trail between Blundell and Francis Road. Nearly two dozen firefighters were called to the Surrey-Langley border Tuesday for a four-acre fire spreading under power lines. It definitely is uh, very dry out there and we'd like the public and everybody uh, to be using their fire safety uh, when they're in the bush or walking on trails and parks and stuff. It's important uh, because the bush is tender dry. And on Monday afternoon, West Vancouver firefighters prevented a small wildfire from spreading to homes by Sunset Lane and Sharon Drive. As a precaution, some of the homeowners cleared the area. It is still very, very dry, even in the urban area. It's, uh, it's still something that, that we have to be very, very careful and very mindful. So a lot of these fires just happened within a few days ago, so we don't know the cause as of yet. But, you know, often when we hear from firefighters when it's dry out there, and a lot of these fires maybe happen along the roadside, they say it often happens from a discarded cigarette. So again, they're just asking everyone out there to stay cautious, especially in these dry, hot conditions. Chris? You know, let's hope people listen. All right, thanks very much, Grace. Grace Key in East Vancouver for us tonight. Now, one of the wildfires responsible for the bulk of the haze that's hanging over the lower mainland right now is the Mount Hicks fire. 
and it's burning near Agassiz. And while air quality is bad, the reality for farmers living in that area is terrifying. Aaron MacArthur has more on the firefight and the potential impact. Despite appearances, it's hardly business as usual at the Gowanberg Dairy Farm. The Hicks Mountain Fire burning within meters of the property line. I came here to milk cows at 4.30 in the morning and I, and I got to the farm and it was like I never woke up because it was, it was like a dream or a nightmare rather. It looked like lava was literally coming down the mountain. The whole thing was engulfed. The fire started burning at the beginning of August. Sparks from a flat tire on Highway 7 believed to have started the blaze, which has grown to hundreds of hectares. It is an incredibly difficult fire to fight. It's a really nasty fire for a lot of different reasons. Um, the slopes are extremely steep. The trees are very big and um, poorly rooted. There's power lines on both sides of the fire. Wednesday, crews from Port Moody arrived to spell off the Kent Harrison Department, which has been at it nonstop for weeks. Of concern right now, two properties on Camp Road, right at the tree line. Our guys, we're starting to burn, burn guys out and uh, yeah. I've had uh, way too many hours of uh, being out here. The fire is burning towards a major 500 kV power line. BC Hydro says the towers and the lines are built to withstand a certain amount of fire. We do have redundancies built into our system and this allows us to switch customers from a transmission line that could potentially be damaged onto another line um, just to ensure they continue to have reliable power um, if our infrastructure is threatened by wildfire. A change in the weather should give air crews better visibility to tackle the fire from above and a chance for ground crews an opportunity to finally contain it. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Here's a quick look at the big picture. The BC Wildfire Service says there are 563 wildfires burning right now, 37 evacuation orders covering almost 5,000 people and 51 evacuation alerts affecting almost 23,000 people. Since April 1st, 629,000 hectares have burned, and the cost of fighting these fires since then, more than $282 million. Uh, the wildfires, just one of a number of issues the Premier discussed in a milestone meeting with the federal cabinet on Vancouver Island today. We'll bring in Keith Baldry with more on this, and Keith, that meeting attracted dozens of pipeline protesters too. Yeah, no surprise there, Chris. It's pretty well a political fact of life uh, that uh, wherever Justin Trudeau goes in Metro Vancouver or Vancouver Island, he's going to be bet by a knot of uh, protesters. In, in this instance, in Nanaimo, dozens of people showing up to protest a uh, number one issue on their minds. And Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, is going to be facing this, I think, on and on whenever, whenever he comes to British Columbia. Basically, Kinder Morgan, though, that pipeline is the elephant in the room when Justin Trudeau and John Horgan meet, because the fact is they do discuss it, but it's not a, a issue they spend a lot of time on. They prefer to talk about issues that they agree on and can make some progress on, a point made by Premier Horgan when he met with reporters afterwards. I did raise uh, Trans Mountain. Uh, the Prime Minister and I have talked about that. Every time we speak, it, it comes up. Uh, but it is one uh, irritant within a relationship that I believe is relatively positive. There are a whole host of values that we share, a whole host of issues that we want to work on together. Yeah, one of those being the response to the wildfires. Keith, how are the two governments getting along on some of the other issues? 
Uh, all signs are pretty positive, Chris. I mean, these two guys need each other. Uh, John Horgan needs Justin Trudeau's money, basically. They need federal funding for all sorts of infrastructure projects, whether it's the Broadway subway line, Surrey, LRT, uh, childcare, uh, housing, all sorts of program initiatives that needs federal uh, funding. Uh, Justin Trudeau may be in a position where every province between here and Ottawa over time may be governed by a conservative premier. So he's looking for political allies, and he wants to win seats in British Columbia. So I think you're going to see Justin Trudeau Trudeau pay more visits out here, have more meetings with uh, John Horgan, and continually to have polite but really uh, limited discussion about an issue that divides them. That's the Kinder Morgan pipeline and focus on issues that unite them, and that's infrastructure and program delivery. Keith Baldry in Victoria, thank you. A fatal crash on the Malahat on southern Vancouver Island today sent drivers on a major detour. The driver of a sewage truck killed when his vehicle collided with an SUV just north of Goldstream Park. The driver of the SUV was taken to hospital with injuries. The crash forced the closure of the Malahat for hours while hazmat crews cleaned up the sewage spill. No word yet on why or how it happened. And a near-fatal miss in North Vancouver late this afternoon. A car careened out of control, striking a pedestrian near a bus stop before crashing into a tree at Lonsdale and 21st. Both the driver and the pedestrian were taken to hospital. Investigators are still trying to determine what caused this accident. The start of the new school year is just a couple of weeks away, and there's already trouble in the classroom. A province-wide shortage of French teachers has left many schools scrambling. But Nadia Stewart explains why it's a problem we should have seen coming. It is not the way parents in Williams Lake want the school year to begin. No kids should go to school on the first day of school without a teacher, let alone a month without a teacher, a qualified teacher. The problem here is one many districts across B.C. face, a shortage of qualified French immersion teachers to meet the growing demand. There is four postings from um, the elementary school and one full-time posting from the high school. Oui. And whether it's Williams Lake or Vancouver, the number of students enrolling in French immersion keeps on climbing. At the start of the 2007-2008 school year, there were just 41,000 kids. Ten years later, there are more than 53,000 students. To meet that growth, we had to increase uh, the number of classrooms, and if you increase the number of classrooms, you have to increase the number of teachers. And we just weren't graduating enough teachers to keep up with that demand. There's also the allure of higher paying jobs in other provinces and the challenge of recruitment and retention. Even when new teachers graduate from school here, many can't afford to live in Metro Vancouver, and they aren't always keen on relocating to small towns. Je suis le plus grand et le plus méchant chevalier du monde. This isn't just a BC problem, it's nationwide. Lewis says they saw it coming. We knocked on the, on the door of the provincial and the federal government three, four years ago, and we said, there is a looming French teacher shortage in this province. And for three, four years, we didn't see any action. Education Minister Rob Fleming says the NDP government is funding more French immersion teacher jobs, as well as recruiting internationally. We have the cooperation of the federal government, which is looking at investing more in official languages and uh, teacher recruitment and training for French immersion specifically. It means BC should start to see numbers increase next year, but there's still no solution to keep them here in BC when they do. Nadia Stork, Global News. It's a summer pastime that's inherently dangerous, but the risk is sure not stopping cliff jumpers from taking that leap of faith. In fact, despite repeated warnings, more than a dozen people have been injured in Lynn Canyon so far this year. Ted Chernecki explains how social media 
is posing a new challenge for rescue crews. On a hot summer's day, there's nothing quite as inviting as the crystal clear waters of Lynn Canyon. Today, the place is packed with people of all ages, all cultures, and all levels of risk takers. Your casting is not helping me. Oh, no. You're never going to get hurt. Well, you might. Yeah. That's the fun of it. Okay. What's okay. the point of living life if you're not living life to the fullest? Life ended here in Lynn Canyon for at least 34 people, 30 in the last 24 years. There used to be warning signs marking where someone perished. Now they have one sign at each jumping spot marking how many died and how many were injured here. Our communications division has worked on some, uh, some signage that is particularly focused towards uh, the age demographics that we're seeing a lot of. And then there's the social media thing. Just about everyone's carrying a camera. It's not about just living life to the fullest, but posting it online too. That, it seems, attracts the lesser qualified. We are seeing individuals showing up in Lynn Canyon who've never been there before, and uh, it's not uncommon that that's who we end up rescuing. Always be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just gotta be careful with the rocks, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't wanna hit your head them, you know. I'm jumping from birds, some rocks, but you see some parts here, yeah, it's steep. There will be no stopping the risk takers. Search and rescue already know this. They just hope one's next big splash isn't all over the local news. Tetranaki Global News. If you've been thinking about adding a furry feline to your family, the BC SPCA is offering some added incentive right now. They're cutting adoption fees in half for all adult cats until August 31st. Many of the shelters on the Lower Mainland are at capacity right now because of the wildfires. So shelters up north are moving their animals down here for safety. And we're really hoping if people are thinking of getting a cat, if this is something that they've been uh, considering, bringing a furry friend into their family, that they'll think about doing it now. Because the more cats that we can adopt into loving homes, more space we have to bring in animals who are displaced by the wildfires. A prominent Vancouver charity has been hit by thieves who stole thousands of dollars worth of fundraising potential. AIDS Vancouver says the thieves got into their building and possibly hid until closing time and then stole two safes, one of which contained gift certificates that would have raised thousands at an auction later this year. That money earmarked for an important food program. We have a food security program that we're trying to increase the food security of our people living with HIV, and that costs a lot of money, and the government doesn't fund that. If we get more money, then we're able to get, get, get more food for them on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. If we get less, then they have less. If you'd like to help AIDS Vancouver recover the lost money or gift certificates, you can find information on their website. Well, it's a hot topic in Surrey, what to do about gun violence in the city. And now it appears to have caused another rift in the embattled Surrey First Party. A difference of opinion has resulted in one party member quitting. Sonia Diol explains what happened and how the issue is increasingly becoming a focus of the upcoming election. On the verge of civic elections and in the city of Surrey, the party that's been in charge for a long time has just been rocked again. I feel that, uh, that this is a major election issue. We had not yet discussed this. Surrey first candidate for mayor Tom Gill went public in a radio interview saying he supports a federal ban on handguns and that has forced Councillor Woods to ditch the party. He is in fact stating 
This is his uh, uh, platform. He wants to ban handguns in the city of Surrey. But Councillor Gills says he was just expressing his personal view and all members had the chance to finalise the party platform in a meeting yesterday. He chose not to and was quite surprised that uh, uh, with his comments this morning. Well, I didn't attend the meeting because he's already made a, a statement. How can he go back on the statement that he's already made? Two of Canada's biggest cities rocked by gun violence already discussing a ban on handguns. Montreal and Toronto after the recent Danforth shooting. But would a ban make any difference in a city dealing with gangs? The gangsters are using these guns and they are using these tools to commit their crimes and it's something that we need to be very conscious of and we need to change the way we do business. We would have to get law-abiding citizens, ask them to come step forward and turn in their handguns or we'd have to go seize the handguns or the police would have to go seize the handguns. I don't agree in that. But with gang-related shootings happening so frequently, people we spoke to here saying a ban is the only way forward. Too much people are dying, especially here. Long guns are used for hunting, handguns are used for killing people. I've lived in Surrey all my life. There's far too, many, far too much violence. I know Australia has done it and uh, it helped them. Gun control very much now an election issue and the resignation of a councillor making no dent in the city's mayoral candidates. Do you think this is going to harm you? No, I think that from a level of professionalism and I think that the team makeup that we currently have uh, and the experience that we have on council, I think that we're very well positioned. Okay, so not the end of an era for Surrey First? Absolutely not. Sonia Diol, Global News. Birds of a feather flocked together at yet another major international conference in Vancouver this week. Ornithologists from around the world gathering to talk about the health of the planet's bird population. As Linda Aylesworth reports, one of its goals is to raise awareness about just how many birds are at risk of extinction. August has been proclaimed Bird Month in Vancouver, a celebration of the city's 300 bird species, and the fact that for the first time, the International Ornithological Congress is being hosted here. It's the oldest and most prestigious uh, scientific meeting for birds. It's been going around the world since 1884. It started in Vienna every four years. Species are advancing at different rates. Some of them hardly advancing at all. 1,500 scientists and conservationists from around the world are spending the week here at the Trade and Convention Centre. Their study topics are varied, but many share a common conclusion. This year, I think it resonates through the programme, is that birds are in trouble worldwide. Down in the exhibition hall, in an effort to convey the gravity of the situation, a 100-foot-long mural has been created. So this is called Silent Skies Mural, and it is composed of uh, 678 of the world's most endangered and critically endangered species. 160 artists, members of the international group Artists for Conservation, participated in the project. Among the endangered species, BC's own marbled murlet. I love the marbled murlet. Uh, it's a, a, a beautiful bird, a petite bird. For the majority of endangered birds, loss of habitat is a major threat, but it's just one of many. Climate change basically is driving changes in food distribution and food availability for birds. It's not just about birds. What affects them affects other species. They are truly the canary in the coal mine. Basically birds again are really telling us that conditions are changing and usually for the poorer. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
A nature quest of a different kind has people in Greater Victoria acting a little strange, walking around with their heads down and rummaging through bushes. It's a treasure hunt of sorts, and Kylie Stanton explains what they're looking for. A few tools, a dab of paint, and a blank canvas. Right now, I'm just making a cool flower. One by one. Painted a lot. They prepare their stash. That's all done. For an artistic take on hide-and-go-seek, better known as... Soup to Sydney Rock Hunt. Here's how it works. In tunnels, parks, and everywhere in between, these painted rocks are placed, then posted. Most people like to put it on Facebook where they're hiding it, and then whoever finds it hopefully posts it to Facebook to say that they found it. We put Soup to Sydney Rock Hunt on the back. Yeah, they can take it home or rehide it or, or paint one and put it back, whatever they kind of want to do. The Souk to Sydney Rock Hunt group is now more than 1,600 members strong and growing. A space for people of all ages to share their work and their finds. It's pretty amazing. Some There's some real artists in the group. But parting with their pieces... I love this one. ...is just part of the process. Because I'm giving something that I, that, that I like to someone else. Now they're finding something so small... Seems to be making a big impact. It probably makes them feel kind of special. We've had nice responses from people who are maybe going through a tough time and see a rock that says, you know, be true to yourself or happy or smile. And, and they really, it means a lot to them. This one we found. The group is just getting started, hoping those who find these messages of love will join in. You guys each have one rock. Making life a little more beautiful, one rock at a time. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh my God, the whole house is gone. A home in Kitchener, Ontario, goes up in flames after being rocked by an explosion. Neighbors and firefighters scrambled to save the two people inside. Rescuers dragged a critically injured man out of the flames, but a woman who was home at the time could not be saved. No word on what caused the fire, but neighbors do say the home was being renovated. Hurricane Lane has weakened slightly as it bears down on Hawaii, but it still could cause some serious damage. The huge storm, an ominous sight from the International Space Station. At this point, Lane is a Category 4 storm, and no one really knows yet whether it will hit the islands head-on or deal a glancing blow. But with winds anticipated to reach more than 200 kilometers an hour, officials are saying the entire state needs to be prepared. Shelves bare in many stores. Donald Trump pushing back once again tonight at claims by his former attorney that he was directed by the president to commit campaign finance violations. But Trump's latest explanations once again are contradicting what he has said previously. 
After a double blow from two confidants turned criminals, President Trump tonight is defending what he knew and when about the payments his former lawyer made, meant to keep two women quiet about alleged affairs. Did you know about the payments? Uh, later on, I knew. Later on. And they weren't taken out of campaign finance. That's a big thing. That's a much bigger thing. Did they come out of the campaign? They didn't come out of the campaign. They came from me. Here's the president in April. Did you know about Solicitation is a crime of directing someone else to commit a crime. That's true even if the person doesn't follow through with the act. So here, if they can find additional evidence to support what Michael Cohen says, I think you could very well have a criminal violation against President Trump. Michael Cohen says he broke the law at the direction of his then boss. But the press secretary said the president's not in trouble. He did nothing wrong. There are no charges against him. The press secretary pushing back. He did nothing wrong. There are no charges against him. He did nothing wrong. There are no charges against him. As for Cohen, his attorney says he's ready to share whatever he knows with whoever wants to know it. Is he hoping for a pardon from President Trump? Not only is he not hoping for, he would not accept a pardon. He considers a pardon from somebody who has acted so corruptly as president uh, to be something he would never accept. A helicopter pilot is recovering from injuries in hospital after a shocking accident caught on security video. As the police chopper tries to lift off, it's buffeted by strong winds. The pilot tries to regain control and bring the chopper down, but the wind eventually tips it, shattering the blades on the pavement. The pilot suffered a serious injury and a passenger was thankfully unhurt. In Health Matters tonight, UBC researchers have found what could be a game changer for blood donation. They've identified a new powerful group of gut enzymes that can turn any type of blood into the universally usable type O blood. The discovery potentially expands the pool of blood donors, making blood matching safer and easier. Researchers are now applying for a patent and are hoping to test the enzymes on a larger scale in preparation for clinical testing. For the first time this year, the West Nile virus has been detected in B.C. The Provincial Animal Health Center says two dead ravens found near Kimberley have tested positive for the virus. The good news, no human cases have been reported, no mosquito pools have tested positive, and no infections have been found by Canadian Blood Services. The risk of becoming seriously ill from West Nile is low for most people, but those over the age of 50 and with compromised immune systems are more at risk. One of my favorite parts of the PNE, and a lot of people forget that it, that it really is a focus on agriculture in its Well, place I think that's how it started, yeah. yeah. So last weekend when the fair began, we were walking around the area where all the animals are and saw, saw the 4-H kids gussying up their cows. Why are you beautifying the cows? Well, they're having basically a bovine beauty contest. Here are the contestants for another cow beauty contest, or a fitting to be more precise. But this is also the salon where you can watch bovine stylists at work armed with cow-specific beauty products because they are part of the contest as well. It's basically you analyze your animal and see how you can make it look better with the products you use. For instance, we use uh, what we call glue. It's very similar to hairspray except a lot stronger, so it holds the hair up and we use it on their legs to correct different things or to make the legs look bigger in certain areas and smaller in others. Now there is some pre-show work done behind the scenes, such as showering in the 
Who knew a cow-only washroom and blow-drying? So you want to start from the front and then just go back and forth. All the sawdust and stuff out. A technique that must be mastered if you and your cow are to win ribbons. And when we blow them, we blow them forward so his coat looks a lot more shiny and clean. Right. So if you took your cow to the show with this on his leg, you're going to lose. You're going to get like a seventh place. Someone said to me the other day, sometimes a cow looks lopsided, and by blowing up the hair, you can actually even it out. Yeah, so one thing you want is you want them to be super smooth along their sides. So say their shoulder sticks out a bit more, and then it kind of goes in. You're going to blow up that hair. And like all of us, cows like being pampered. And with some steers like mine, if you scratch them on the tail head with your hand or a comb, they'll start licking. Oh. Like that. Oh. That's like a Pavlovian thing. Yeah. And when all the salon and spa work is done and the battle of the beautiful cattle is judged, you get a winner. But really, aren't they all winners? Because these cows have never looked so good. Nice work, Gracie. Good luck in that competition. All right, caught on video. Well, in just a moment, we'll show you that, uh, that big splash in Alaska with those whale watchers. Right now, though, let's check in down at the PNE. Yvonne Shell is there with a look at weather. Uh, and yeah, amazing stuff down there in the Ag Center. Yes, Galis, or Chris, rather, we're just here at the Fall for Local Market, and I'll have more on what you can see here if you're planning on heading down to the PE. But it is a touch cooler here and even cooler leading in towards the weekend. So let's get to your forecast first, where we are seeing that smoke, very hazy conditions for many areas. On the tower cam right now, it is still very hazy. Temperatures today were cooler in comparison to yesterday. Out of the airport at 22, yesterday at 24, but areas away from the water yesterday were over 30 degrees. It's We Love Water Wednesday. Wednesdays and here's a couple of tips if you're heading to the PE, Metro Vancouver is suggesting that you don't use a single single use plastic bottle beat the heat by refilling your water bottle at their water wagon they're beside the livestock barn serving up water and fascinating facts about the water system and another tip that we got was from Adrian where she puts leftover water into a bucket and uses it to water the plants so thanks so much uh, if you'd like to share your tips share them with us on Twitter and use the hashtag we love water back to those numbers yesterday was Whistler got up to 33 today, only 28 degrees, and it'll be even cooler for tomorrow onwards. Hope up to 27, and areas inland for the island with Port Alberni up to 30 degrees. Kelowna today up to 28, and Victoria climbing up to 22. Still seeing that smoke very visible on the satellite, where we are seeing a shift, though, for tomorrow, where we've got this, but we have onshore winds that are going to push in, and we're going to start to see a bit of a clearing. Satellite and radar, the system to the north is what we're keeping a close eye on. That's going to push across the problem but we still have the fire danger rating at extreme for the central interior and high for most areas into the southern interior. A shift in the jet stream and the winds will be for tomorrow where we have much cooler and fresher air. It'll still be hazy, but the chance of showers is going to push in for Saturday and Sunday. Northern half of the province with 16 as the high. The central interior and pushing into the Columbia will see a risk of a thunderstorm for tomorrow and a slight chance for showers for the southern interior. Whistler will be up to 20 degrees along the south coast we will see fresher air tomorrow but still seeing hazy conditions and Chilliwack will be up to 22. Our five-day forecast as we look in towards the weekend it's Sunday that we could see a chance of showers but it'll be much cooler over the next few days 
with temperatures only getting up to 19. We're at Fall for Local. I'm joined by Kelly Turner. You're the founder of this. Tell us a little bit about the markets, if people are planning on heading down, and why you started this. Yeah, absolutely. So this is our second year at the p and uh, I started Fall for Local because I noticed a disconnect in the marketplace, and we really wanted to create a platform for small businesses and micro-entrepreneurs to come and showcase and sell their product. Excellent. We've been doing a bit of a walk around. We're showing viewers at home some of the vendors. So talk about some of the things that we have here. Yeah, absolutely. We have a wide range of vendors from candles to jewelries. I'm actually wearing one of our uh, vendors here, Felicity Ann. And uh, we have cards, art prints. Uh, we have handmade baby shoes. We have a whole diversity range of things. Great. And if people aren't able to check you out at the p and you're also in the North Shore three times a year. And when can we catch you there? Yeah, absolutely. Our next market will be at the Pipe Shop venue on September 29th and 30th. Perfect. And we're just near the marketplace here at the p and You'll be here for the rest of the p and I assume. Yes, absolutely. We'll be here until September 3rd. We're by Festival Park. You won't miss us. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kelly, for your time. And of course, there's lots of great things. I got to do some shopping, Chris. So I'll send it back to you. Uh, no doubt. Uh, good luck sticking to a budget <laughs> there, Yvonne. Have a great time. <laughs> Caught on video, a boat full of tourists off Alaska winning the whale-watching lottery. They thought that a glimpse of a humpback tail and spout off in the distance was pretty exciting. And then this happened. Yep, everybody got drenched, but as you can imagine, no one was complaining. What a thrill for them. All right, Squire's back. I always wonder, like, when the whale goes back under, all the other whales start, yeah, give me some fin. <laughs> Should have seen those humans. They're drenched. The high five. Well, rebuilding can't come soon enough for Canuck Nation, but... but you know, we got to figure out the right way to do that. I well, think, right? I don't think you go jumping at a superstar, and I don't think they're going to. Um, but there was a rumor today that the Canucks are in the running for a possible trade for Ottawa defenseman Eric Carlson. Now, I'm quite sure Jim Benning phoned the Senators and asked them, you know, out of curiosity, what do you want for Carlson? I'm sure a lot of teams have done that. But my guess is Ottawa would only make a deal with the Vancouver Canucks if the Canucks gave up one or more, actually probably be more than one, of their better young prospects and their first-round draft pick next year. The Senators need a big return for Eric Carlson. But the Canucks have said, and rightly so, that players like Besser, Pedersen, and Quinn Hughes are not going to be traded anytime soon, and neither is next year's first-round pick. And that is the right answer. Stay with the youth movement. Is Eric Carlson a great player? Obviously. But he's not the guy for the Vancouver Canucks. Not at this time. So I think the chances of this happening are very, very small. Unless the Senators lose their mind and say, I'll tell you what, Carlson for Louis Erickson, then make the deal. <laughs> but uh, in the real world, this probably will not happen. And it's a good thing. All right. Canada-Puerto Rico today. Little League World Series. Inning. Win the stay in. Dio Gama on the wild pitch. And the kids from Wally have a 2-1 lead in the second. Second and third. He struck out but in the second, but he this does is tough. Two men out, here in or two boys out as the case may be. And Eric Rodriguez, Rodriguez with the double. So this scores two, and they have a 4-2 lead. It's 5-2 the next time we see Dio Gama at the plate. The star of Wally's Little League team. That's going to score a couple. So Canada's right back in it at 5-4. 
deep to center. We got to play at third. Out at third, but two runs in. They're only down by one. Luis Rivera for Puerto Rico. Bases loaded. Now it's 6-4. They'd add some more to their side of the scoreboard. And with it 9-4 in the six, this is the final out. And unfortunately, the kid from Wally, or the kids from Wally, I should say, are coming home. But they did well, losing 9-4 today. Martin Maldonado had a big day for the Astros. It was a bad day for the Mariners. That's a solo shot. At that point, it was 9-1 for Houston. Seattle made a bit of a game of it, but they still lost this one down at Safeco 10-7, so they're four and a half out of a wild card spot. Out of the Thunderbird Show Park in Langley, the Longines Jumping World Cup will happen this week, and we'll see some of the top riders and horses from around the world. But the top level part of this event isn't just horses and riders. It's the people who set up the course as well, because they are also among the best there is. He is neck and neck. Got to push on to this final oxo. Can't take up here. I think he's done it. We've grown now to have a five-star event, which is a Nations Cup and a World Cup event this week. So you have to have the quality of course designers to meet the quality of riders and horses that are here. The standards at Thunderbird Show Park in Langley are simply world-class. Well, what makes this facility and its grand show ring so special is the course layout and how its 16 jumps are composed. We're trying to create visual music, you could say, in a way. Like, every time I design a course, like, I'm trying to almost write a song with a beginning, middle, and end, and then we have to put it visually with the fences and all aspects like that. The theme is classical fitting for a sport that exudes grace, beauty, and strength with every stride, trot, and jump. The rider, horse, and show ring seamlessly flowing together in harmony. And it's the course designer's responsibility to challenge the competitors every step of the way. On the first day of a show, we kind of start off, we kind of gauge the riders and how well they're doing and how far they are along in their careers. And through the week, we build up the difficulty all the way into Sunday, which is the most difficult. And throughout a day, we will change depending on the level of height and the age of the horses. Joey Raycroft is one of just three BC equestrian course designers who are sanctioned by the International Equestrian Federation. This week, he's working alongside one of the world's most respected designers. Ireland's Alan Wade is more architect than composer. Every course blueprint begins with a pencil and a pad of paper. He set up show rings for the Olympics, World Cups, and the World Equestrian Games. It's all very technical measurements. Like we, we every stride, we basically allow 3.65 meters per stride. So like with double and triple combinations, which are two fences or three fences close together, you have to be very exact with your measurements. And then the different stride tests you would change the length to get a different result. You make, make horses go longer in their stride or shorter in their stride. The Longines FEI Jumping World Cup runs through Sunday at the Thunderbird Show Park in Langley. Jay Janower, Global Sports. All right, here's quick thinking at its best. Japanese motorbike star Tetsuda Nagashimi wipes out on the corner in wet conditions in Austria, but gets on his bike and basically surfs to safety. Put his knees on top of the bike and away he goes. There were scratches on the bike, but there were no scratches on him. He walks away from this unhurt.
man. That's quick thinking. It's amazing. There you go. An Ontario man is becoming an international celebrity after a video of him being pulled over by the police went viral. And it turns out there's a lot more to the Brampton Batman than a short social media clip. Global's Tom Hayes reports. In an everyday Brampton neighborhood, this kind of stands out. So is it or isn't it? Depends on who you ask. You play Batman. I am Batman. I wasn't going to argue, never know what he keeps in the bat utility belt. His real name is Stephen Lawrence. He works for Coca-Cola. But he adopted the role of Batman years ago and is not just about the cape and the car. The Batcave is classically warm, however, it is home. This used to be what most people would call a living room. But Lawrence transformed his house into all things Dark Knight. He has become a bit of a legend in Brampton who is now gaining worldwide attention. Brampton Batman getting pulled over. The UK online paper Metro ran this story last weekend about Batman being pulled over in Caledon. The OPP say it was a simple license check and Lawrence was let go. But a few seconds later, he was pulled over again by the same officer. Jump out and ask, is everything okay? And the officer did say, I would like to not miss my own opportunity and get a photograph with you. OPP Caledon spokesperson PC Paul Nanskeville said an officer did pull over Batman for a selfie and that he saw nothing wrong with it, saying it was an act of building community relations. So you're okay that they pulled you over for a selfie? I am. No hard feelings from this crime fighter posing with a real crime fighter, all part of the gig. Nothing is more fulfilling to be able to see anyone, young or old, and they get excited to see Batman. So if I can give them that, that's a good thing. Do you think that's his real speaking voice, or uh, is he just really putting it on there? I wonder if he ever breaks character. He certainly didn't in that, in that story. Does he take the suit off? Does he have a job? <laughs> and when he had, does he wear that to work? Yeah, apparently so. Uh, you know who's at work? Yvonne Shell down at the PNE right now. Oh, you're eating again. I would be yes, doing the same thing if job. I was down there. <laughs> It's a very hard job. Uh, fall for local markets, that's where I am. And this is from the bake shop. This is a raspberry meringue cupcake. They've got a uh, cinnamon bun. This is an almond-filled croissant. And I have to do my job by trying it, of course. So let's do that. They're very good. They'll be back here tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I, I highly recommend coming down and you can find the bake shop on McDonald Street. You know, Sorry, you I can't talk with my mouth full, guys. When you said you were going shopping, I thought it was for all the stuff in the store. I didn't realize you were, you were going for dinner.